Hey, good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. It's Monday. This is Seattle Now. Seattle's new drug law is in effect, and enforcement was swift. The law makes the possession and public use of narcotics a gross misdemeanor, but it also encourages law enforcement to coordinate diversion efforts, admit people into treatment programs before jail. Seattle Times reporter Sarah Grace Taylor is here to talk about what kinds of options are out there for police if they see someone using drugs. But first, let's get you caught up. Bartel and Rite Aid customers maybe consider your alternative pharmacy options. Six Seattle area stores will close next month. Five Bartel stores have already been closed in Seattle. The six stores are just a slice of 154 locations in the U.S. that will shutter as a result of Rite Aid filing for bankruptcy last week. Beginning next month, two Rite Aid locations will close in Mill Creek and Everett, and four Bartel drug stores in Redmond, Bellevue, and Linwood will close as well. Trial is scheduled to begin today in the case brought by five black police officers from the University of Washington Police Department. The multi-million dollar lawsuit was filed two years ago in King County Superior Court. It alleged UW PD had a culture of entrenched racism and open hostility. Four of the officers have since left the agency. In 2021, the university said none of the allegations of discrimination were reported to leadership. The university did not respond to KUOW's recent request for comment. And it's almost Halloween. Spend this week putting the final touches on your costume and consider these ideas. Saturday afternoon, it's the T'Challoween Costume Parade, a fun one-mile walk courtesy of the South Seattle Emerald. It starts on College Street and 18th Ave South, but you can meet up anywhere along the way and join in. We'll drop a link in the show notes to the map. Hey, they're still looking for volunteers. Seattle's new drug ordinance was on the books less than a day before police began making arrests. Ten people were booked into jail Friday for things like possession and intent to deliver. It was part of an enforcement operation by the Seattle Police Department. Speaking to reporters following the arrests, Chief Adrian Diaz thanked Mayor Bruce Harrell for giving officers the tools to address drug use in the city. But I want to thank the mayor's office uh, for working with stakeholders, including city council, to give us a tool to be able to address the drug drug usage issue. The areas of enforcement were 12th Avenue South and South Jackson Street in the Chinatown International District and also on 2nd and 3rd and the Pike Pine Streets downtown. They are notorious for open-air drug use. The new law means people in Seattle who are caught with or using drugs like opioids or meth in public spaces can be charged with a gross misdemeanor. But it also asks officers to coordinate diversion before arresting people, admitting people into treatment programs instead of jail. In addition to the arrests, Diaz noted 15 people were connected with a caseworker. Where this new law leads is still unclear. What is clear is that the county has a fentanyl crisis. The medical examiner says more people have died this year than last, and that number is still climbing. Members of the Seattle City Council went back and forth this summer to land on this new law. They're hoping will change things. Seattle Times reporter Sarah Grace Taylor is here to give us a look at what kinds of options are available for people who are caught with narcotics as a result of this new law. Sarah Grace, thanks for taking the time. Happy to be here. So the new law that passed the city council in September is now in full effect. 
Public drug use is a gross misdemeanor. Let's talk about the options police have when they see someone using drugs. Yeah, police have the authority to make arrests on either of these misdemeanor charges, but they have the guidance from both the council and from Mayor Harrell to prioritize doing diversion, which is to find someone who's either using drugs in public or who is possessing drugs and encourage them to get into treatment rather than making an arrest or trying to send anyone to jail. Okay, I want to talk more about what that means in a minute, but before we do, the reason we're talking about this is because it is a crisis, right? Fentanyl is a scourge, and it's just so powerful in this city. What's the situation we're dealing with? Yeah, um, fentanyl's an issue in a lot of places. It's not a Seattle-specific crisis, but we are, as a city and as a county and as a state, dealing with just unforeseen amounts of not only use and the consequences that go with it, uh, but more importantly, fatal overdoses, which last year hit a historical figure and this year are on track to surpass even that amount, uh, both in the county and the city. So fentanyl is just so lethal and so easy to get a hold of that it's really numbers that we haven't seen before. Mayor Bruce Harrell has made his preference known that treatment is the preference. How might that go for someone right now? When someone is using drugs in public and the city is trying to offer treatment to them, of course, the biggest hurdle is whether or not that person wants to receive treatment. That's going to be the first hurdle, at least. And then beyond that, there's a question that's been asked repeatedly this summer throughout this process of whether the city has the bandwidth to offer a lot of assistance. So the question really this summer and now is, does the city and its partners have the capacity to give everyone who does agree to get treatment and is maybe being pushed into treatment because of an interaction with police because of this bill? Or do we have the bandwidth to give these people treatment or to get them into treatment programs? Yeah, it lays out a lot of issues, right? You have a preference for this model, but we don't necessarily have the model in place as a city or a county at this point to provide the service that we're asking people to take advantage of when they're caught up in this new law. What are some of the options for people caught with narcotics? Who makes that decision? So if someone's caught using narcotics publicly or with knowing possession now, Seattle police will have to decide in that moment if this person is only using drugs or if they're using drugs in public and causing harm to others. That might look like if someone is using drugs and refusing to stop using them on public transportation or forcing the drug smoke or the interaction on other people. And it'll be the discretion of police largely uh, to get in there and try to get the situation to stop and to try to get this person diverted into another program uh, where they might seek treatment rather than facing any legal consequence. If someone's imposing harm, that's where now police might escalate it to an arrest. And so there's a long process in which someone might be diverted, and there are a lot of different partners who are involved in that. Yeah, yeah. And I think that line-level interpretation of who gets diverted and who gets arrested and what the options are is a big part of the gray area that people who are critical of this new law are concerned about. Specifically regarding treatment, Sarah Grace, 
if someone is offered treatment, let's talk about what their options are in terms of what's available to them. Sure. So what's available to them varies uh, depending on which drug or drugs it is that they're using. For fentanyl opioids specifically, there's a, a harm reduction option, which is taking a drug like methadone, which helps give somebody a lower, slower dose of the same thing and lowers their tolerance and really reduces the risk over time of overdosing, but doesn't necessarily get someone sober. And then there are also limited options of getting someone through a partner or through Medicaid to be able to go and seek long-term inpatient treatment for any number of substances they could be addicted to. And there's been discussion in the city of helping to fund people getting more of that treatment as well. Uh, Have you talked to anyone on the front lines, police officers, treatment centers? What are you hearing from the people who are actually going to be implementing and up against this new situation, this new ordinance? Sure. So this summer, during the conversation around how the city wanted to implement this bill, I spoke to people over at Evergreen Treatment Center who, like I said, they offer that methadone. And so that is having people come regularly to receive this medication. And they have a mobile clinic downtown and they're going to expand in downtown Seattle. And, you know, their concern is partially how do we help people get this recurring service if these people are also living unhoused or these people have other complications. So there's a bigger conversation about how do we keep people stable enough to even receive treatment if they decide they're ready for that. And then talking to the Seattle Fire Department, which has beefed up emergency response. So they started the Health 99 team this summer and they have their Health 1 team. So there are people who are responding urgently to overdoses But again, it goes back to that question of where do we take people after they receive that medical treatment? Yeah, Sarah, I'm actually, I'm just trying to imagine the incredible pipeline that we're trying to work here as a city and and where the overflow goes, right? I can't imagine. I can't imagine where the overflow ends up. Where is the money coming from for all this? A lot of it is the city. The city is certainly in the last two years putting more money into these kinds of services. And if you think about it, the homelessness crisis has existed for so long and it it took a very long time for cities, not just Seattle, but cities generally, to take it seriously enough to be putting the money in that they're putting in now and it's still not solved. And so if we're that far behind on homelessness, I think we're even further behind on mental health services and substance use services. So we're kind of in this phase of the city funding things like Evergreen or the Health 99 program or any number of these other initiatives in pieces, but we don't have a scalable plan yet. So we don't even know what that funding amount is going to look like. Yeah. Different pots of money, man, is a different, it's a different situation for sure. For sure. You know, I'm curious whether or not we've learned anything from past approaches to this problem that might inform the next moves. Yeah. It's hard to say because no city has really figured out fentanyl yet or just the volume of overdoses that we have now. So I I don't think there's one city that's a beacon of having figured it out in a holistic way yet. But there are bright spots and there are things that seem to start working that maybe can be scaled up. I just don't know the time frame of us figuring that out. All right. Well, Sarah Grace Taylor, really appreciate your reporting and the accountability. I know you'll hold the city too in the future. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me. 
Sarah Grace Taylor is a staff reporter with the Seattle Times. Thank you for listening to Seattle Now. This show is only possible with your support. Just click the link in the show notes to make it happen. And thanks. Today's episode was produced by Lucy Suchek. Our production team also includes Caroline Chamberlain Gomez, Claire McGrain, Jenny Cecil Moore, and Vaughn Jones. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Patricia Murphy. See you tomorrow.